Pastor Todd this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here this morning in this house. Isn't it great to be in the presence of the Lord today? Yeah, put your hands together. So glad to have you in the house today. I am so anticipating this evening's service with Pastor Matt Scott. I know you do not want to miss that this evening. There's always something unique and special that happens during the North Georgia Revival on holidays. And tonight is a holiday. I know you've been busy since two weeks ago preparing for your Thanksgiving weekend, but what a day to put an exclamation point upon it by simply being in the house of the Lord on our revival service. So I want to make sure you're here tonight for prayer and also uh, for the revival service. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. I want to spend just a moment there, and I am uh, going to share with you on a subject that probably you've never heard me uh, speak on as a total but I've mentioned it from time to time, but perhaps not as an in, entire message. Acts chapter 28. I want to read verses 1 and 2. Acts chapter 28. The Bible says that now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. You know, I'm thankful as I pastor uh, Christ Fellowship Church, I am thankful that I am a part of an unusual group of people. Some of you have only been here a few months or perhaps a few weeks, but you're finding out that Christ Fellowship Church is not a typical church. It is unusual in many ways. And I am grateful that it is unusual. I am grateful that it is not your typical church that we have where we just show up, sing a few songs, and then hear the Bible and then go home. I am thankful that I am a part of a body of believers that is literally an army that God is using to touch not only our own families, but people around the world. I am thankful that we have a praying army as well and a unified army. And I am thankful that even though you and I may disagree on particulars, that we are bedrock solid on the things that matter. Yeah, give God glory on that. You may have walked into this place, a Nazarene, and you think, well, I don't know about all this emotionalism, but you sense something different. You may have come into this place as a Catholic and you think, I'm not sure, where's all the sacraments, where are all the things like that, but you sense something special. You may be a Baptist and you're saying, I'm not, I'm not on board with all the tongues and speaking in tongues and all of that going on, but yet you sense something special. We prioritize honor and we prioritize prayer. We prioritize unity. Because if you're not unified, then division comes and division is the breeding ground 
for the works of God that he so longs to uh, disperse comes to a close. So I lift my hands this morning and I say, Lord, I thank you that you have a people who have humbled themselves and said, Lord, your priority will be our priority. We may disagree. We may not be in complete unison on certain issues, but God, they will not divide us. For we have a world to win. And Lord, that we will be unified in that purpose and that effort. We magnify you today, Lord Jesus. And we glorify you. And I thank you that this is a praying army. Lord, that this is not just a come and take army. This is a giving army. This is where we will spend hours in prayer seeking your face. And with all that, I say, Lord, do it again. Do more. Send us new recruits, reinforcements and replacements, oh God, as we go about doing your work. And everybody in the house said amen and amen and amen. I want to talk to you about unusual kindness this morning. I've been here now going on 12 years, or just on going on a 13th year. I don't know if I've ever preached an entire message on kindness. Well, you're going to get one today. Yeah, come on, give God glory. Some of you say, well, that's not a revival message. Oh, contraire. Because you can be in the midst of revival and get mean. <laughs> you can be in the middle of a move of God and become arrogant. You can be in the move of God and become selfish, judgmental, hard-hearted. So I'm sitting there this week and I'm hearing the voice of the Lord and he's just downloading me. He says, Todd, I want you to minister on kindness. And I find something in Acts chapter 28, verse 2, the first phrase, something that caught my eye, and the natives showed unusual kindness. Well, first of all, uh, one translation says the barbarians, the barbarous people, the native people, one translation says. And here comes an intruder into their native land, and they're barbarous in nature, and the Bible says that they showed them unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. So there's usual kindness, and then there's unusual kindness. If we're going to be a bear, let's be a grizzly. So if we're going to be kind, let's be unusually kind. Talk to me now. Now, this word unusual can also be translated unexpected kindness. Because these native people were known to have rudeness and roughness, and they were harsh, and they were calloused and protected and had boundaries set around them. They did not like outsiders, but on this particular occasion, there was unusual kindness shown to the apostle Paul. Now you'll find in Galatians chapter five that kindness is one of the most, um, well, let me just say in, in Galatians five, it's found in the fruit of the spirit. 
And it may be one of the most underrated fruits of the Spirit. Kindness to me is, is like a pair of scissors. Have you ever been around individuals that are just having a bad day? And they're not kind. In fact, they're rude. They're off the charts. They're off the scale. They're just being obnoxious. Have you ever been around individuals that you know are not only just having a bad day, but bad things are happening to them? And so now they're developing a mindset and a disposition that the whole world is nasty out to get them and that everybody is trying to take from them. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed people in our culture now filled with unrivaled and unequaled anger? Are you seeing this anger everywhere in the world that we go? Resentment is paramount. Online bullying is, is something that um, our young people are struggling with. People will take their keyboards and begin to type things and say things that they would not say if they were sitting in front of you. And they feel that they have to be the umpire of everything that they believe to be a conviction and deeply held sentiment from the Father. And so as a result of being able to do those things, people have ugly self-images. They feel they don't measure up. They're too fat, they're too tall, they're too skinny, they're not rich enough. I don't go on that type of vacation. Look at that family, they're always happy, they're always at the beach, and they're always doing this, and I can't even afford to pay my power bill. Mm -hmm. There's unusual despair that is literally going from coast to coast, from north to south. Kindness to me is like a pair of scissors. For a brief moment, segment of time, maybe perhaps just for a few seconds, because of your or my interaction with someone, I can sever off the anger from their life. I perhaps can cut the resentment, the despair, and detach, if you will, that ugly self-image by something that I do progressively and aggressively for someone. I know we're in the middle of revival, but I think revival literally allows us to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. And I think in our culture that no other fruit of the Spirit is more needed than that of kindness. I think the whole world needs it. I think the church needs it. I, need, I think Facebook needs it. But once you sever that anger for a brief moment, that person snaps back into God's plan, God's purpose, and snaps back into God's perfect view of them. And when you walk away, then the whole world with all of its vitriol attaches back. But for a moment, 
You and I have changed the composition of a heart that opens up their spirit, the soul of their soul, to receive hope again, peace again. Kindness plants a seed of life. True kindness is taught to us. Look in the book of Ephesians quickly, if you may. I want you to take a look at this. Ephesians chapter 4. Are you guys okay? Ephesians chapter 4. First, Second Corinthians, then you're going to come to Galatians. Then you're going to come to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 25, therefore put away lying, let each one of you speak with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Bible says you can be angry and don't sin, but don't give place to the devil. Those who steal or stole steal no longer, verse 28. But rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Verse 29, this is important. Let no corrupt words proceed out of your keyboards nor your mouth. Some of y'all need to take a break. Some of you just really need to take a break off the keyboard and stop trying to push something down somebody that, 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 that is unnecessary at this moment. You're making enemies. You're being divisive. Well, it's the truth. It's your truth. Do not let the revival come to end because you have a conviction. I need to be kind. This is what he says. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth for that which is good for necessary edification. That it may give grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now watch this. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Our world that we live in is, is operating under a, a, a curse. It is cursed. And people are feeling the full weight of that curse. Never in the history of humanity have I seen such cru cruelty. I pray that we will have a baptism of kindness. A fresh baptism of kindness. 
How important is kindness in a study of 37 cultures, not American, Western culture, but 37 cultures around the world. 16,000 subjects were asked about the most desired trait in a mate. And for both sexes, their first choice was kindness. Write these definitions down of kindness if you can. I'm going somewhere. Hang with me. Kindness, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is an act, a kind act or favor. According to the Oxford Dictionary, it is the quality of being friendly, generous, considerate. It is the quality of being friendly. The Greek word is krestos, which means to make oneself useful to another. To make things easier or smoother. It can also mean tender concern and uprightness. I love what Mark Twain said. It's going to come up on the screen and I quoted him before. I love his perspective and his, uh, on life, his philosophy, if you will. I know uh, some of you may not like him for whatever reason, but uh, I think that he was a gift to our nation, gift to the world. He says, I can live two months on one compliment. It is amazing to me that when I hear something positive, how it re-energizes the, literally the spirit man on the inside of me. If I hear something that is uplifting and positive, when I am feeling down, feeling unworthy, feeling detached, feeling that I'm miserable in certain areas, that I'm making too many mistakes, and one word, just one word, one compliment, one phrase, literally, as I said a few moments ago, severs all of those lying voices in my head. And it is like giving me mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation to my spirit man. Whether it is the way your wife looks, how he cut the grass, how he unloaded the dishwasher without being asked, Acknowledging him as he carries these two big bricks across the yard. And you say to him, you are the strongest man I've ever met in my life. I guarantee you the next time he walks across the yard, he has three bricks. <laughs> There's just something about that positive reinforcement, maybe perhaps you think that he already knows that, she already knows that, but I'm telling you there are voices on the inside of us that we are hearing not only on the inside but from the outside that are telling us how unworthy, how fat, how tall, how skinny, how old, how young, how whatever the case is, but one word has the potential to rearrange an entire day. Hmm. I love this quote, kindness is giving hope to those who think they're all alone in this world. She used to say, 
or he used to acknowledge. My kids used to call. They used to come by and see me. One gesture, one word. I love this definition. Kindness is seeing the best in others when they cannot see it in themselves. And the beautiful thing, you know, sometimes I preach here and, and it may be ministering to 60% of the people and the other 40% say, I got that. The good news about today is that every single one of us can benefit from this message today. And you may be one of the most kind persons on the planet, but you know, there's always room to be kinder. Mm -hmm. Kindness is something anyone can give without losing anything themselves. Do you realize that? A handshake, a hug, coming by to assist and to help, a phone call, a text, an email. You just never know, and I never know, what people are walking through. They just may be manifesting in a season of their life all of the vitriol, all of the pain, all of the negativity in their life, and they have succumbed to it and given in to that. And they're drowning in the midst of darkness. You may be getting the brunt end of that. It may have been weeks, perhaps months, or even years since someone told them that they matter and that what they do matters. You are a good parent. Because when your kids go crazy, you're judged by people, you're judged by the church, you're judged by society. You judge yourself, but as an observer from the outside, I've seen your faithfulness. You've not wavered. You've not gone back. You've stayed committed to God. Somebody just needs to tell you it's not your fault. Kids make decisions. They make choices. They do things that sometimes we would never, ever approve of. But now they're adults and they're their own people. You cannot wear that. You cannot put that on and say to yourself, I'm a horrible parent or a bad grandparent. Because it will weight you down and you eventually will drown in despair. And be filled with such anxiety and depression that you'll look for relief somewhere that God never intended. Some of you need to hear that yeah, your business didn't make it. Income's not what it needs to be. The enemy takes advantage of that. You're not a good provider. You're less than. If you were smart, you would have this. If you were intelligent, your business wouldn't have failed. Now, somebody needs to go up to someone that has that, that, that feeling and to go to them and say, you know, I've watched your work ethic. I've watched how you've labored and how you've gotten up early and came home late. I've watched how you provided for your family and you did without, or you didn't go on the vacation that everybody else did. I just want you to know that I admire your example. You're a good man. You're a great woman. Some of you are in this room and you're single parents. 
Your kids are at home and you're trying to feed three babies. Your husband or your wife walked out on you. You get no support from anyone else and there you are on food stamps and you think anybody that loved God should never be on food stamps. The devil pounces on you and tells you if you just had faith to believe. If you were a good Christian, you wouldn't be in this predicament. What's wrong with you? The message of God to you today is this right here. You're beautiful. And you're wonderful. And you're in a season that will not last forever. And there are those that are watching you from the outside. And we can't believe it that you bring those babies to prayer every time. All alone. Loading them up in the car. Running noses. They scream, they run, they walk, they do whatever. It doesn't bother us. It doesn't bother us. It doesn't bother us. Hairs not brushed, unkept, holes in their clothes. I just want to say, Mom, you're doing a great job. You're doing a job, I'm telling you, that most men, that most men would not have the fortitude to do, but you, you get up early, you stay there with them, you get them to school. Yeah, you take them to ball practice. You're right there with them all the time. I just want to applaud somebody in this room. You need to know that God sees your faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love what Philip Keller said. Kindness involves finding ways to brighten and to cheer the lives of others. Let's commission this holiday season to find someone that just needs a hand up, not a hand out. Find somebody that just may be struggling. Your kids already have enough. I'm not saying don't bring anything to them and give them gifts. I'm not saying that at all, but let's find somebody else that just needs something. Somebody that's working two jobs and all of a sudden just a because gift winds up at their mailbox. A love note from heaven. Just been watching you from afar. Bless your children. The greatest thing I think I've ever done in my life was when I was in China. Missionaries were there and they were going to spend Christmas in communist China. No money. House filled with joy. was able to give them several, several, several hundreds of dollars from the ministry and watch those kids' eyes light up to realize that they were going to have a Christmas. You see, I found that, dark, uh, that kindness can take dark, bleak moments in someone's life and bring clarity and light. Kindness can transform a person. I love what Quaker Stephen Grellett said. It's on the screen. I expect to pass through this world but once. Any good thing, therefore, that I can do or any kindness that I can show to any fellow creature, let me do it. Now, let me not defer to neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again.
On the screen is a man. that a few days ago walks into his place of employment. Walmart, Chesapeake, Virginia. He takes a gun and he kills people. No mercy. I found what was quite interesting yesterday. They released the note that he wrote prior to walking into his break room that he had been there many, many times. And those individuals sitting around the table, the youngest being a 16-year-old. There's absolutely no justification for what he did. He shares one side. There are multiple sides to every story. This is not the only side. Here is his note. And I will read it. Sorry, God, that I failed you. This was not your fault, but my own. I failed to listen to the groans of the Holy Spirit, which made me poor representation of you. I was harassed by idiots with low intelligence and a lack of wisdom. I remained strong through most of the torment, but my dignity was completely taken away beyond repair by my phone getting hacked. They laughed at me and said that I was like Jeffrey Dahmer. I would have never killed anyone that entered my home. A few months ago, I overheard, and they blacked out the names, talking to so-and-so, and and he told me that he has been trying to get rid of me since day one, and after I heard that, I lashed out. The associates gave me evil evil twisted grins, mocked me, and celebrated my downfall the last day. That's why they suffer the same fate as me. So-and-so for maintenance was emanating with the Holy Spirit, which I could feel. People thought that she was crazy for walking out. But unlike me, she actually listened to the Holy Spirit. I could go on and on. But I want you to look at the face. You'll pass somebody just like that today. Neighborhood, school, work, gas station, Starbucks. All around him for months on end. The negativity. The misinterpretation of perhaps things people said. It's his perspective, not the only one. Somebody's perspective is their reality. What could have happened? What perhaps may have changed? If a customer 
being led by the Holy Ghost. Not trying to rush to buy something, to get in and to get out, but said, oh God, today, the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Can you show me somebody, someone, who in this room needs me to apply some scissors? Perhaps if there would have been a half a dozen born again, ton talking believers in Walmart that day. And perhaps the Spirit of God did speak. But because of the clutter in our own minds about trying to make people happy, we miss the voice. What I'm talking to you about today is not a sermon to get you to do something to make your pastor feel good. But I believe this is at the very core and the heart of God. For Jesus says, I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly. There's a soldier you may know that's struggling with PTSD. Sits in his house all day or in her house all day. And you wonder and you think to yourself, oh, what a tragedy. And you wonder in your mind what really went on. What did he see? What did she see? And the Spirit of God would say to you, I need you to be my voice. I need you to say something. I need you to do something. There's an elderly lady that grass has not been cut, perhaps gutters are overflowing. You think, well, that's a shame. I wish the Homeowners Association would do something about that. And the Spirit of the Lord said, there's a lady there that has probably, won't tell you this, but he knows, probably six months to live. And all her life, she's been provided for. But the last three years, she hasn't. She's lonely. She's afraid. She's scared. She has no strength. And she doesn't know God. And God says, be kind to her. Charge her nothing. Begin a relationship with her. Show her that you care. And by you showing her that you care, I will open the door for you to show her how much I love her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Revival is the breeding ground for kindness. We ought to be the most kind people in all of Dawson County. Because we have tasted that the Lord is good. And He has done unbelievable exploits in our presence. That should make us softer, more pliable, more tender, more kind-hearted. So in just a few moments, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask that we would become aware 
of the ministry of kindness. Some of us need to have some scissors to cut some of the things off of us in order for us to have a moment of sanity, to recalibrate, to reset, to come back into reality of what life is really about. It's not those voices. It's not the voices. It may be a letter that you may need to send to a son that you've not talked to in perhaps years over a disagreement, over a conviction, over a lifestyle. Just a note. A conversation. A just because. Can change someone's perspective. Stand to our feet. Lift your hands. Father, I thank you that on this day, We ask for forgiveness. I do. Not being more aware, more sensitive, and more like you. Sorry for rushing, being dominated by goals and dreams I swiftly pass people by and I missed your voice I missed it help me to help others Lord, I, 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 uh,
encourage your people, Lord. Some feel like their ministry is over, God. Encourage them. Parents who think it's over, kids who think it's over. Lord, they're thinking suicide. They're thinking, let me finish. Oh, God. Today, tonight, scissors, help me carry them. I repent from my people. Oh God. Forgive me. Hundreds of kind people. Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay. Go be kind. Let's be kind. Love you. See you tonight at 5 o'clock. Bless you.